Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Uh, We know what gentleness is, but meekness is like controlled strength. He could exercise more strength or authority, but he's holding back. He's saying, I want to be meek. I want to be meek and gentle. So I'm pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In other words, Jesus was meek. He could have exercised a lot more power and strength and dominance, but he didn't. He held back. That's a characteristic of God, uh, of the character of God. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that uh, that meekness and also self-control. And so he says, I'm pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence of who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you. He said, when I'm present with you, I'm very, uh, I'm very lowly, I'm very humble, I'm very kind and gracious. He said, but I know that in my letters, I become much more bold. So he said, uh, so I'm bold towards you in these letters. Verse 2, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold, with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So Paul's saying, listen, I've written some pretty strong things here that come across more strong than when I was with you in person, where we were very humble and gracious and gentle and kind. He said, but now you're saying, man, his letters, his letters are much stronger than when he was here. And he's saying, when I come back to you, He said, I'm going to have to be bold towards some people because there are some people among you who are out of of line. Their attitude is improper. They're cocky. And so now that I'm away, they sort of uh, are raised up in their pride. They're raised up in their arrogance, their self-centeredness and such. So he said, I'm writing about some of these things that people would submit to authority and that people would walk in love and kindness and gentleness. He said, but when I come, I'm going to have to be stronger than I usually am because some of these people are not changing just by me writing letters and correcting and such. So he said, I'm going to have to be bold towards some. Verse three. Oh, and he mentions this. He says, towards some who say that we're walking in the flesh. In other words, Paul's writing these letters, but he's in the flesh. Look how strong he's coming across. That's the flesh. And Paul's saying, well, that it's not the flesh. And of course, we know, we don't know about every every letter of Paul. So we could, uh, we could speculate that some of his letters, he could have gotten in the flesh and said some things that weren't what the Holy Spirit was leading him to do. And maybe that's why those letters were not included in the Bible. But these ones that we have in the Bible are verified that the Holy Spirit led him to be bold in these commandments and instructions that he gave. So uh, we know that that what Paul's saying here, because it's inspired of the Holy Spirit, is true, that there are some people, and, and we know this in our society today, we human beings don't like to have anybody tell us what to do. 
We like to do our own thing. And we tend to think we're right. We don't trust other people's wisdom uh, as much as we trust our own wisdom. We think our perspective is right. All of us tend to be that way. But some people more than others. And so Paul is addressing that and saying, there are some people among you, Corinthians, that speak about us as if we're just walking in the flesh over here. We just want to dominate and control people. And that's why we're giving these instructions. And, and Paul is, is confronting or pushing back on that and saying, nope, that's not what's happening here. In fact, Paul has already made it clear in his writings to the Corinthians, we've sacrificed so much. And next chapter, we're going to see in chapter 11 how much Paul sacrifices to get the gospel to people and to help people to walk in the word of God. So he says, uh, who present with you is lowly among you, but being absent and more bold towards you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. He said, I'm going to have to be bold toward them. Verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So now he's transitioning here and saying, let me bring up this issue about the flesh. He said, though we walk in the flesh, he said, we are in human bodies. We are in the flesh. We're functioning in the flesh like every other human being. But he said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And he's talking about all believers, but he's specifically talking about him and his partners in the ministry. We're not warring according to the flesh. We're not battling with people's attitudes in the flesh. He said, this goes much deeper than that. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And that word carnal really means fleshly. So though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, could have been another translation, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He's saying, listen, we're not just battling and arguing with people. He said, no, our warfare is a spiritual warfare. And we're not just fighting flesh to flesh, human to human. Well, that's similar to what he said in Ephesians 6.12. For though we, he said, uh, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So he's saying the same thing here. We're in the flesh, and we do have problems with people, and he'll show some of that in the next chapter. But he's saying, but we're not warring with people. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God. This is powerful, and we believers need to grasp this and, and implement this in our lives. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. You remember in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, he also talked about putting on the full armor of God. Those are weapons of God, weapons of warfare. So they're mighty in God for, watch this, for pulling down strongholds. Now, just simple, not to go into the Greek or whatever, but what are strongholds? Things that hold strong. You know, this would include bondages, addictions, habits that you can't break, patterns that you can't break. There the marriages that are stuck in uh, mediocrity or in uh, uh, attacking each other, belittling each other, tearing each other down, cutting comments. Um, this would be financial destruction. You just held in debt. And it's not just the money, 
But it's the spirit. Even if you get out of debt, you go right back into the bondage and enslavement of debt and such. And he's saying these are strongholds. And, and these are strongholds, not just in natural fleshly things, but in spiritual things. There are demonic spirits and strongholds behind this. And he said, the weapons of our warfare are not just fleshly. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So we should be praying and declaring that whatever these things are that hold us strong and lock us in, handcuff us, chain us down, keep us limited, limit our lives and such. He said, no, we've got something beyond just negotiating with people and working with human beings. We have mighty weapons in the Lord, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the promises of God, the power of the spirit, etc. We have mighty weapons in God for pulling down strongholds, limitations. And this would include by the way, strongholds in a home, strongholds in a city. Certain cities have demonic strongholds, the Bible teaches us. And when we want to go and, and plant churches and make disciples, we need to confront those strongholds. We need to confront those principalities and powers and such. And Paul said, we've got the weaponry to do it in the Lord with the name of Jesus and the promises of God and such. And so he's saying uh, that we have these weapons and he's saying, lest anybody thinks that we're just negotiating with people and working with people. He said, no, we are ministers of the Lord and we are using the weapons of our warfare to pull down strongholds. He goes on to say, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So he's saying, not only are we pulling down strongholds, un uncuffing, unchaining, breaking the limitations in the spirit in prayer, but he said, we're also casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me tell you, God has promised us, God has given us his word. God has explained to us how things really work, how he works, how the devil works, how things work in the spirit realm, how to move mountains by faith, etc., etc. But there's normal rationale, logic, reason, evidence in the natural realm that argues against that. And people argue against that. And Paul said, no, in the spirit, in prayer, I have these arguments that come to my mind, maybe from other people, maybe from my own experience, maybe from the devil. But he said, part of the weapons of our warfare is we have to cast down those arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. In other words, that say this evidence is more valid than what the Bible says. This evidence is more valid than what God says. See, this is, we're at a disadvantage because we can't see the spirit realm. If we could see the spirit realm, we would see that it happens exactly like the word of God said. Many, many years ago, the Lord said to me, he said, uh, if I opened your eyes to the spirit realm, do you know what you would see? And I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to tell me something great here. And I said, what? He said, you would see exactly what my word describes. You would see that when you bind, things are bound. When you loose, things are loosed. When you speak the word, according to Psalm 103, verse 20, angels are set to flight to do and accomplish the word of God. He said, you would see things happening, just like Daniel from the first day that he prayed on that 21-day fast. The angel came and said, I was sent from the first day that you came, but I was hindered because there was spiritual activity in the heaven, heavenlies hindering me. But I want you to know that as soon as you begin to set your heart to the Lord and pray, I was dispatched. God said to me, he said, you would see exactly what my word describes. 
And so Paul is saying, look, there are arguments in this natural realm because we're limited in our sight, in our experience, in what we can hear and uh, interface with. We can't see the whole spirit realm. And so therefore, the the evidence that is presented to us argues against what God's word says. He says, use the weapons of your warfare and cast those arguments down. I just often in my prayer, I just say, nope, I don't believe that. I don't care what evidence shows God's word says this is the way it is. And I I cast that argument down in Jesus name. I'm not going to do it. I've learned that you have to fight thoughts with words. Words dominate. Death and life are not in the power of the mind. They're in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21 says, it's words that make the difference. So prayer is not thoughts. Prayer is words. Jesus said, when you pray, say our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So prayer is words, words. And so we we pray these words. And he's, Paul said, listen, we cast down these arguments. They're all, all these opinions, the evidence that, that counter uh, contradicts the Bible. Paul said, no, we got to cast those down. We got to get our mind fully thinking that God's word is truth, that his promises are true, that he's faithful, that it's going to work the way God said it's going to work. He said, we got to cast everything else out of our minds and believe God's word is truth. So he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, meaning the word of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought. I got to bring all of my thoughts. And often I'll pray about other people in the name of Jesus. I declare and, and pray that their thoughts be brought into captivity to obey Jesus, the obedience of Christ. And he goes on to say, uh, being ready, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So uh, even in my own life, if I get out of alignment and I become disobedient, I got to bring correction to that. I got to be ready to snap and say, nope, you got off there. Now you would, you would pull down the strongholds. You would cast down the arguments. You got yourself in alignment. But then a day later, you got off. And so I, I need to be ready to get back on track. In other words, Paul says, use the weapons of your warfare to get things on track and then be ready to keep them on track, uh, to punish that disobedience, not, not self punishment, you know, but he's saying, but to confront that, to confront that disobedience. Verse seven, do not look at things according to the outward appearance. If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's or that he's in the Lord born again and such, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we're, we're of Christ. We are Christ. So in other words, uh, if anybody is arguing or thinks that what I'm saying is not true because, well, they're born again and they hear from God. He said, you need to know we're born again. We hear from God as well. Not only that, but Paul's an, an apostle. Not only that, in this letter, he's writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your description your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we will be also indeed when we are present. <laughs> and so Paul is saying here, he's saying that 
uh, back in verse 8, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority. So Paul's saying, look, not only am I in Christ, just like you're in Christ, and whoever is arguing with what we're saying is in Christ, he's saying, but look, I don't want to have to go back to boasting about the authority that we have as apostles of God. God has put us spiritually over you, and you should be listening to what we say and giving it more uh, credence and honor than just your own opinion, because God put us in this position to teach you and to guide you. And uh, so he goes on to say, and some of the people there that are having problems with what I'm saying are saying, he's so bold when he when he writes, but when he shows up, he's weak. Well, Paul says, well, that's not the way it's going to be. Now that I realize that some of you have that attitude, that's not the way it's going to be. With the same boldness and strength uh, that we write, when we show up, we're going to have that same boldness and strength. We're going to be confrontive of anybody who is having a problem. Now, why is Paul doing this? Is this a power struggle? Mm-mm. No, Paul's doing this for this reason. He knows that that attitude will spread and people will go astray in their doctrine, their belief, in their lifestyle if they don't stay under good, strong spiritual authority. So he goes on to say, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. In other words, those who are promoting themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. In other words, hey, we're not apostles to everybody, but we are apostles to you. And we're not going to boast that we're the apostles to the world. And, of course, he's writing scripture, so he could have boasted, uh, though I'm not sure that he knew it. But he's saying we're going to boast only with what God has given us. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you for it was to you that we came with the gospel of christ not boasting of things beyond measure that is in other men's labors which uh, other men's labors but having hope that as your faith is increased we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. So Paul is saying here, look, we're not boasting beyond what uh, the ministry God has given us. This is the ministry that God has given us. And we're just boasting within that sphere. And he says, because he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And it's not the person that commends or not the person that promotes himself. That's not the one that's approved, but it's the one whom the Lord approves. So Paul said, I want to stay within my sphere so that I'm approved of the Lord. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. 
Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.